Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. I really need to stop going like really loud on the welcome because it blows out the recorder right at the start. You should always have level. I know you want to come in with a lot of energy, but I'm letting you behind the scenes right away. That's a terrible idea. Keep your volumes levels, kid. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook as I hold back cough in my throat. Live now on, excuse me, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We bring it to you every week. All the best Lions talk on the best Lions podcast you can imagine. Bar none, it's here for you right now. As I said, I'm Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Hello. How's it going, guys? I feel, I feel, even though it's only been a week since I've seen you guys. We've been. This is the first time we've been on the airwaves in a full week. We so, took a uh, bit of a break. Yeah, yeah. I feel. I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling refreshed. You're not going to get many more breaks because, like, you know, we we got most of February to kind of just chill and relax. And here comes the combine next week, Jeremy. This week, I mean, people are already landing. People are landing and in India. We are and then, not going to talk about it. We're we're not previewing that. I apologize. <laughs> Someone asked me if we would preview that, and I'm like, I don't know what's to preview. How would you even preview the combine? Players are going to run fast, and then we're going to see if they're fast. Maybe someone's junk will fall out again. I don't know. <laughs> but free agency is coming up. Franchise tags are already out. Uh, they're going to be due on the 7th. So we're going to talk some free agency. And we're going to talk uh, also some polarizing draft options. But first, we got to get in the third man here. We got to get in Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. We just, I just mentioned that. Yes. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> what a I'm ready. Introduction for Ryan. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot to talk about on the show, so I'm trying to be curt because I can't wait to get to the meat and potatoes. I, I, I can't wait for segment two because, uh, It's my time. It, I'm never going to do that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm even a little excited and, and it's a, it's an entire segment about the draft. And I, if I'm excited to talk about it, that means you, the that listener. means you've been replaced by a pod person. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, let's talk about some news and notes. Let's talk about some of the upcoming free agency, uh, insanity that's going to happen because already I've been getting a lot of questions about guys in free agency, but, uh, first the lions have already made their first cut before free agency. And it's, Michael Brockers, he is going to have to say farewell to Detroit. 
Uh, I think we kind of expected this. We've talked about this for a few podcasts for a while. It saves Lions about 10 million. But Jeremy, uh, just talk about, I guess, why the Lions made the move. I think we all kind of expected this to happen. So, but I think, I think the why is important here. Well, yeah, I mean, the why is it's simply, he was going to cost 14 million against the cap this upcoming season. And he was benched for the entire, I don't know what, 10, 12 last games of the season. I think he made one appearance in there. Um, But yeah, they're, they're not, you're not going to pay a guy just for, you know, being a good locker room presence, 14 million um, against the cap. And, you know, when you can recoup 10 of, 10 of that, it's, it's, it's a really simple decision. I think, I think it, you know, you can look back now and say, you know, maybe this wasn't the best move that, that Brad Holmes had made. It's not a killer. You know, his contract wasn't absolutely like restrictive last year. It was big last year and they certainly didn't get their money's worth, but um, you know, they structured their contract. They structured the contract in the way where you're going to eat 4 million of dead money this year. It's not a huge deal. And, you know, you got a locker room leader, you got a guy who, who set an example for a couple of years. So <clears throat> not, not a great move. I don't think it was a disastrous move. I mean, we, we've certainly seen bigger disaster moves um, from previous regimes, um, but kind of a, a an unfortunate end to a, a short-term stay here for Brockers. Definitely seems like an amicable parting, though, right? Like Brockers sure. was, you know, the team released a statement. Brockers was, you know, kind of like, hey, yeah, th- thanks for the opportunity. Maybe see you guys down the road kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I, th- I think for Brockers, like, you you look at it from the perspective, like you said, Jeremy, when they initially made the move to to bring him in and then, you know, extend his contract, maybe that was a bit short sighted um, just because the the fall off in his play was from year one. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't just a, hey, oh, in 2022, Brockers isn't, you know, really a useful member of this team uh, in terms of his his play on the field. But like you said, I don't think you can underscore enough, like what kind of a leader he was in the locker room. But seems like maybe Isaiah Bugs kind of took over that role and maybe carried the torch for him. So. You know, it, it's one of the sneaky positions, though, and, and we'll talk about it later, but it's one of the sneaky positions that the Lions don't have many players under contract um, along the interior defensive line. So yeah. they're going to have to replace them and, I and think, add more to that, too. I think we've been talking about this. The entire defensive line might be like, I, I know, I think, Ryan, were you up on it? Like, I don't think that, like, we're just set with even on the edges with just Charles Harris and, and Aiden Hutchinson, too, like. Yeah, I think. I mean, Charles yeah, Harris is somebody else that could be a cap casualty. Good. Right. I, I think. Well I think that's that's kind of the next question, right? Like, who's who's next? Because Brockers was the easy move. Now you've got three or four guys that can save you a lot of money from free agency, but you might still be able to get something out of. So you got you got Romeo, who's costing four point five million against the cap, but you can get seven and a half million of that back if you cut him. There's, like you said, Charles Harris. He's at an 8 million cap hit, you can get half of that back, 4 million if you cut him. And then there's, the I think, the trickiest one of them all, which is Halapuli Vati Vaitai, 12.4 million against the cap. You can get six and a half of that back. So each one of those, it's about recouping half the money. But with Vaitai, I mean, I don't know, which one do you guys think is, is the easier next move? Because at least I think one or two of those three happen, right? I, honestly, it might be Charles Harris. I, I I'm looking towards this draft a bit. I don't know if the lions go back to the well for edge. It's a tough position when you have good edge players to let them go, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head, not Jalen Carter, but there's like several edge players from Georgia. Um, well, you got Will Anderson from Alabama. You got yeah, Will Anderson Tyree like this Wilson is, this... from Texas Tech. There, there's a lot of defensive ends that I'm not be just saying. Even, at six, yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm not even saying at six. I'm talking about like second round as well. Like there's there's a lot of good edge prospects in the draft, and you have to think about you know what how do the Lions regard Josh Pascal too? You know how do they regard his growth? What do they do with the fact that James Houston has turned into a monster player? Like, and you start yeah. looking at you know, the money that could be saved on edge and the depth that could be there. Like, I I think they'll go a lot younger on edge. They could, He's, they, but they are, they already kind of are super young they on are, edge. They I mean, they have Josh Pascal and, and Naden Hutchinson. So I don't know. Do you, do you want, do you want to maybe bring in a veteran? But I mean, in terms of a, a veteran on the open market, the good edge rushers don't, don't make it there. So are you bringing in a, a veteran presence just to be a, 
a rock solid dude there or you committing that money to John Kaminsky. Like there's a lot of like shuffling pieces along this defensive line. Yeah. And and I do have to imagine Kaminsky is going to be back, which is why I think I think one of those edge guys has to go. And it's not an easy decision because we talked a little bit on, on the Spotify live, but you've got you've got Romeo taking up a, a ton more space than he's probably worth, but he's probably a better player. He's probably the second best edge they have on the team. Behind Aiden. He's he's a well-rounded guy. He can play multiple positions and he's proven it for a couple of years. I know he only has one tenth one ten sack season, but he's also played at a high level before that. Um, and then you've got Charles Harris, who's young, showed a ton of promise in his one year, but took a little bit of a step back last year before he got injured, and he saves you a little bit less money. So I don't I, I don't know. And then Vitae, I I'm still I don't think they can pay Vitae what they're currently paying. I think they might try to go to the table and, and figure something out rather than just straight up cut him. But it's a uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be a couple tricky decisions that we see come down in the next couple of weeks, and I'm not sure what direction either of them go in. Yeah, there's there's some other news, so let's let's move along here. I think the next big piece of news has been coming out this week is that not only the Lions get back Aaron Glenn, but they are reportedly working on a contract extension with the defensive coordinator. Uh, finalizing a multi-year deal for him. Now, granted, this is kind of, you know, coach money. It's not going to worry too much for anything like salary cap wise. I I think some fans are kind of split about Aaron Glenn's return, just given the overall track record of the defense. I think we've been of the opinion that, you know, given the time and growth with the defense, it's been a, it's a good thing. And it's a good thing to keep guys around for a longer time. But I, 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 th- I find it fascinating if only because the longer term contract a contract with the Lions would mean, I mean, obviously it wouldn't mean anything if he decides to take a head coaching position somewhere else, but he does show a commitment to stay in Detroit versus like some of these lateral moves we saw with Deuce Staley or, yeah. or even watch, yeah. for protect particular uh, head coaching decisions, Jeremy. Yeah, no, I, I think you kind of nailed everything there. Like one, as fans, there's no reason to get upset over this because it doesn't impact how the Lions operate at all. Doesn't um, impact cap or anything. It's no. literally not your it's money just, to worry it's, about. It's money coming out of out of Sheila. So like you can view that as a positive, like, hey, look, Sheila's taking care of of the people in this organization. So that's a positive. Or you can say Sheila's wasting her money. Who cares? Um, none of it affects fans. So there's no reason to like have a hot take here and get really upset or anything. But I understand some people that look at this and be like, why? This is you know, the 31st rank scoring defense last year and 28 this year or whatever. Um, but that's also a little misleading, right? Like they, they did have a, I would say average defense down the stretch needs to be better next year. Um, and I think most people would excuse some of those poor performances because of the, the staff that, or the, the personnel that they have. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't think I really have a, a take one way or the other with this just other than like, Okay, cool. Like they, they still very much this is just another sign that this line's coaching staff really believes in Aaron Glenn. And there's no reason to think that they ever didn't, because even when they were really bad at the halfway point of the season, the one thing Dan Campbell would not do is say a single bad thing about Aaron Glenn. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been on board with Aaron Glenn from the start. And uh, you know, even when things were looking real rough, I was ready to play the violins until the ship crashed, but you know, I, I think I think the Lions, they did, as you mentioned, Jeremy, they, they made that turn at the midway point of the season, you know, especially after the Aubrey Pleasant move. And yeah, I mean, you have to take it with maybe a grain of salt just because of the level of opponents they played in terms of the offenses they faced. But any improvement was good improvement. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm, I'm all aboard the uh, the Aaron Glenn train. I thought it was a bit boat. Now it's train. Any moving Mixing vessel. metaphors. Any moving vessel. Um, but okay. speaking of spending Sheila Ford's money. And, fine, which, and some vessels that are finally moving after being stuck for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the, the Lions version of the uh, the canal was, oh, Cal- of, was uh, Calvin of Johnson. The, uh, of the, uh, what was it? The ever. I don't know. We're going to get stuck on or, it. But it, it no, was whatever. it was Calvin Johnson <laughs> stuck in that canal. And now he is going to be allowed to ride back to port, right, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. He told so. Calvin Johnson joined the, the uh, what? Sorry, Jim Rome to be, show? sorry. Go. Real quick, it's the Ever Given. 
<laughs> okay. Very, very important correction. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Jim Rome show, Jim Rome show where nothing bad has ever happened on the Jim Rome show. No, um, uh, Calvin Everett, I mean, Calvin Johnson, um, joined the show and, uh, and yeah, basically said more or less like, I, I'm, I'm excited to be back with the lions and, and, you know, nothing is set in stone. Not everything has been fixed, but he said, you know, like everything he said made it certainly sound like he's going to be back in the fold this year. Um, which is great news. It's great news, probably more so than anything, just on like a, a PR level. Like now we don't have the second best player in franchise history miffed at the team anymore. And and he'll be welcome at training camp. He'll be welcome in, in special events. And we won't just see him every time he puts on a gold jacket, which is one time ever. Um, so it, it's cool. And I think I to me, like the most interesting part is who he credited it. Um, bridging the gap because it's no secret that he is not a fan of Rodwood, right? He's, he specifically called him out uh, in person as the, like, as soon as he announced his retirement to the room, Rodwood stepped up and said, what about the money? Like that was the first thing Rodwood said. And so the guy who bridged the gap, Mike Disner, uh, the current, I think CFO or C, you know one of those O's, COOs, I don't know. He's, he's in a big position, um, started with the regime, what, three, four years ago. So after, well, after Calvin was gone, um, dealt with a lot of cap stuff. He's ever, ever since he's kind of been more and more involved in the team. And so, and, and this, the shocking thing is here's like Calvin Johnson said this, like he reached out to me personally. That was, that was the first time anything like that's happened. Like that was it. (laughs) That was, is that really all it took? Took a phone call? (laughs) Like we I, I know that has to be like an overly simplistic way of, of explaining it the situation. And it, it and, absolutely has to be. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Calvin's version of events are 100% the truth. Like he's, he's got a certain image to protect and I get that, but uh, I do get the feeling that the lions botched this pretty bad from the get go. They, for a while, they were probably trying to send Rod Wood over there. And he's like, no, son, no, I'm not talking to this guy. Straight finally, to, straight on read. Yeah. Okay. And then finally you get someone with a level head and, and a guy who understands the cap and what it takes to make your players happy and do your players right. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, to me, I'm just so glad this is going to be over and I don't have to keep writing about it every single time Calvin Johnson gets interviewed. Yeah, I, I think on Disner's page on the Lions website, he is the chief operating officer, but they should put a slash and they should put bringer of Calvin Johnson back into the fold. <laughs> <laughs> or at least put it in his bio somewhere. I'm, if I was more quick-witted, I would be like Calvin OO. How do you like Calvin? I don't know. See, I'm not, I'm not good enough. With that. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to COO is the Calvin onboarding officer officer there you go the calvin wow. onboarding officer we did it god man we nailed that <laughs> why go anywhere else for lions content holy <laughs> smokes um are we are we, are we stuffing jalen ramsey into this segment too yeah we are yeah we are so oh boy <sighs> okay Where do we go with Jalen Ramsey? So like Jalen Ramsey is officially on the block right now. The Rams want to trade him. And I know at least two Lions are very eager for the idea. Amon Ross St. Brown has been the very open, eager one talking about it, saying, hey, you played with Jared Goff in L.A., now come to Detroit, to which... A particular cowboy, Micah Parsons, tried to bite back with who goes to L.A. to Detroit, which A, F off, B, you suck, C, you've seen the exact number of NFC championships between the Cowboys and the Lions in your lifetime. You went to school in Pennsylvania. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Not not me, Micah. Yes. Right. But that's why I mean, like you chose to go live in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the same climate like also like don't don't climate. brag about dallas i've been down to dallas it's it's pavement go suck some toes man yeah anyway um also jerry jacobs trying to recruit him this week too so uh look the lions are in a real bad need for for defensive backfield players they need corners they need safeties in a big way 
uh brad spielberger uh on i think on twitter or pro football focus excuse me projected probably looking at like a second this year and a second next year for ramsey with maybe a fifth coming back with ramsey as well so if that's the price guys are you in on the idea of jalen ramsey i'm in i i i think this team is due to make a big swing like this um, I think they're in a position where they can. I think they have the draft capital to do so. Uh, I know, Ryan, you've been a guy that's like, they've got five picks in the first whatever, first 80, 90, whatever it is. They're probably not going to pick all those picks. They can afford to get rid of one. And if they dig into next year, too, like, that's fine with me, too. Two seconds for Jalen Ramsey is worth it. And I know there's speculation that he wants a new contract. I know that he comes with, like, a $17 million a year price tag for the next few years. It's worth it. It is. He's a proven cornerback quantity. Yeah. And and lockdown guys are not easy to find. You can say, go ahead and, and draft one. I think, I think you should still draft one, even if you do pull this move, but it, you, you don't get a lot of proven content. I know, I know he's 28. I know, um, you know, he's probably no longer in his prime and it probably goes downhill from here, but he's still a really good player. He's still a huge competitor. And I think you need someone with that kind of attitude on the team a little bit. Like the Lions aren't mean on defense yet. They're they're getting better, but there's not a mean guy on defense. And a lot, you know, I mentioned this again on Spotify Live really quick, and, and I'll let someone else talk because I did talk about him. There's this perception that he's not a, a uh, culture fit, right? Because he throws tantrums on the field, because he wanted to be traded from Jacksonville, because this, because that. That dude works hard. That And that to me is going to matter more than anything in the world. And in fact, Dan Campbell has said on more occasions, I don't care what you do, you know, before you, you take the field. As long as when you're between that lines, you're putting in the work, that's all that matters to me. And that's all that Jalen Ramsey is. He's a dog between the lines. Like, give me that. I'm in. Give me that. Give me that. I should have. I should have got that. Here, Here's the way that I think about it. Like, if it ends up costing a second round pick and you want to try to do some rationalization in your head, the Lions got a second round pick for TJ Hawkinson. If you were to take, if you were to take a poll and say, "Hey, would you trade TJ Hawkinson for Jalen Ramsey?" <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, come on. obviously, you're ignoring the opportunity cost of whoever you're going to take in the second round. But add up the draft capital. If it doesn't cost you more, if it doesn't cost you a first round pick, I, I think like no future first. Not even thinking about eighteen. But if it costs you a second round pick and something else, like like Spielberger mentioned, this guy is a three time All Pro, and you, you say what you will about how the Rams and and, and how Jalen Ramsey played last season, like it was a quote unquote down year for him, but he's one year removed from being an All Pro, and this guy is a difference maker, I like bar none. So like I'm. You know, to keep it short, I'm just going to say that I'm I'm with Jeremy in the sense that your window's opening, and if you want to go grab a guy who's 28, he'll be you know he'll be 29, but I mean he's right in the prime of his career. I'm all about Jalen Ramsey. I'll just add this: is that I'm sure at this point of this career, Jalen Ramsey would like to play for a contender. I think the Lions. I don't know. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but. They're in a position, we're talking NFC North. We're talking about contending. Like and he well, and he doesn't have a he doesn't have a a, a say in the matter. He doesn't have a he no doesn't trade have a no trade clause. Okay, even yeah. better. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Line it up. I'm but, all for yeah. it. Anyway. The the one the one tricky part is is the restructure is the restructure, right? Because yeah. if the lines trade for him, it it's the, there's minimal risk for them because most of the guarantees in his contract are gone. So even if it doesn't work out in one year or two years, they can cut him and essentially have no dead, dead space in their or dead cap uh, on their, on their salary cap. But if he wants a new contract, which would make sense for him so that he has more guarantees, it complicates things a little bit and makes it a little bit more risky and, and obviously more costly for, for the lions, but I'm, I'm, I'm still on board. Now we get to sell beef jerky. So the right, the Friday Detroit podcast is bright, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions and Jalen Ramsey. If you come on down to Detroit, it could fuel you too, my man. 
because righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to lions players. The training facilities at Allen park. Guess what? They sponsor this podcast too. That means they're all over that Honolulu blue. A lot of protein so much. I can't even put a proper number to it, except there's some numbers written down here, 16 to 20 grams protein in each of these two ounce bags. Each meat stick, which are fantastic, has eight grams. They're based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef. Prides themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors. Jeremy is eating some right now, so you can see this isn't a bit. He's eating the Truffalo Bill. Did I say unique flavors? Guess what Truffalo Bill means? That's right, truffles. As in those mushrooms that pigs dig up that are amazing. Are you a fan of The Last of Us? Eat some zombie jerky. That sounds... Isn't, isn't that how the zombies like take over people like is mushrooms or like so this the jerky is going to turn you into like drooling like me at some point if i don't turn into a zombie by the end of the show that means the the jerky is delicious or you're just tired of the uh anthony richardson talk we're about to get to uh guess what we've also got a promo code for you pod15 at checkout at righteousfelon.com gets you 15 percent off your order that's right. We're giving you a full dang 15% off your order with POD 15. We're giving you this to you for free along with this podcast. What more can you ask from us? What, what else can we do, Ryan? Listen to this podcast. That's crazy. Ryan, what else can we do for these people? <laughs> Give them stickers. We've already done that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sticker episode was, uh, was a long and frightful one. So anyway, POD 15 at RighteousFelon.com. Coming up next in the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we are dipping into draft talk, and Jeremy's excited, which is a terrible, evil sign. I don't know what that means. So um, let's get into it and talk about probably my favorite player in this draft. Next in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD cast where join us on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit, where you can hear us arguing about uh, takeout pasta and backup quarterbacks. What else did we do, Jeremy? I don't even remember. It was three hours long. Scraps will be coming your way here again this week. Probably. I know we're not legally allowed to talk about scraps, but I'm getting in a better habit of it. Calling the scraps police on you. I know. Uh, anyway, let's talk about let's talk about uh, polarizing draft opinion options. The whole reason we talk about scraps is because in the middle of between segments, we get charged up and want to fight each other over really bad opinions, like Ryan saying Chris Pratt has a great Italian accent. So it now means that don't you dare use the fingers. Don't use the fingers. It now means we're ready to fight each other about draft positions. So uh, Jeremy has written here at the top, grabbing an edge. So clearly he's trying to ease us into here because the next two are just bombshell things that have clearly not been talked about at all by Lions fans before. But we will talk about the edge. Yeah, I think I kind of hinted like when we were talking free agency, I do think it is a small need. Like there's a lot to figure out past Aiden Hutchinson. About who you prioritize, who you keep. Uh, rotational play. Like, I, I don't know. Like, is, is there a, is the thing about this draft is there's a lot of strong edge players in this draft, Jeremy. Yeah. So at six, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know. Is that the, is that top 10? Is that the strength of the class is going to be edge? It might be right. Like Will Anderson is probably going to go before the lions are on the board, but Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, maybe even Keon white sneaks into the conversation there um at six and so it's a high value position it's it's it might be where the strength of players are on the board so the question is let's say everyone was gonna say like let's let's just try to trade down let's trade it if one of those top edge if 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 edge two is still on the board are you okay with that because you know the lines aren't needy at edge they have they have Hutchinson, they have James Houston, they have Josh Pascal, who I'm sure they believe a lot in, didn't get a ton of action out of him last year. They have probably one 
of Charles Harris and Romeo Okwara. They have Julian Okwara. There's options there. They're, they're probably bringing back John Kaminsky. So there's never, bodies there. Ne- never give him credit. I know. I, I probably threw out a name that no one's ever heard of. Um, but I, I don't, like. I, I'm a little tossed up here because I, I I am a little bit of the belief that you can't. You can never have too many pass rushers, right? Having having edge players two or three deep is not a problem. It's a good thing to have. But if you're talking about like maximizing the improvement that you can get out of that number six pick, I'm not sure edge is where you can do it. I'd certainly prefer corner, but let's just, I mean, I, I want to kind of take that out of the discussion and say, if the Lions draft an edge at six, are either of you upset? I don't think I'm upset. I don't think I'm upset. I think I'm, I'm maybe looking at the way the board fell and wondering, Hey, was this the right time? to go edge to Chris's point, just because like you said, Jeremy, there, there is a lot of quote unquote depth, but there's a lot of sorting out that has to happen before we get to this spot before the lions are up there and they're drafting at six. Is Romeo Aquara a part of this team's future? Is Charles Harris a part of this team's future? If the answer to the question for both those players is potentially no, I, I mean, can you, can you get a better player than Josh Pascal at six? I think he can. Yeah. And, yeah. and I I don't think that's a thing that the Lions should shy away from because how much Jeremy and Chris, how much time did the Lions spend on defense when it's a passing situation and they just had all their best pass rushers out there? I mean, yeah. Aaron Glenn did it a bunch, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in that NASCAR package, well, and, you know, as much as we can talk about the positional value, we can talk about trading down. Like, we know this league and the draft runs ultimately on best player available. And if you don't have the partner to tango to trade down or you're worried that you won't find a particular like there, there's no there's no shame in saying, OK, the best player available is an edge. I would be a little concerned considering how bad the state of the secondary is right now. Right that we're investing high high, uh, high draft capital into a position that is maybe, it's still a need, but not like, like man, I the Lions, like, it doesn't matter how much good pass rush they had last year because they kept getting burned because, you know, Will Harris couldn't find anybody. It, I, the, the last thing I want to say about this is I think it's an interesting discussion to have because for whatever reason, if if Will Anderson falls to the Lions at six, I think that you would get a lot of fans who would be like, yeah, you run the card up, take that guy. He's awesome. But then all of a sudden you get to the guys that I don't think got as much exposure last year, like, you know, Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson and Clemson's, you know, Miles Murphy. I think you look at those guys and people are like all of a sudden trepidatious. And then they move to, well, like Chris said, we should be looking at a corner at six. I understand the argument, but, I, I just think this defense can never have too many pass rushers. And I know Jeremy says that a lot, but yeah, I'm just of that belief. And the, the, the other thing, and, and our chat's all over it too, is, and, and it's something I, I try to say as much as possible, look beyond this year, right? Don't look at just needs this year. Look at needs down the road. So is John Kaminsky a long-term piece? Is Romeo or Julian Aquar or Charles Harris a long-term piece? The answer to all those might be no. And so then you're just left with what? You're left with Aiden and James Houston as your long-term edge and, and Josh Pascal. Okay. Well, you're going to need more than that in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, especially if, you know, we still have to figure out the growth of Pascal too. Yeah. Anyway. That's no guarantee. Even James Houston is no guarantee that he's going to be you Keep know, doing a, what he did this year. Right. right. <laughs> and, and, and we all saw James Houston take steps in terms of getting more playing time and playing on, you know, running downs as well, but he's situational right now until, until proven otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. It's time. It's juicy time. Where, where are we going first, Chris? I want to talk AR. I want to talk AR so badly. The hype is off the walls. I think we were pointing this out, Jeremy, Um, before I get into Daniel, Jeremiah and Charles McDonald. Um, like I was even checking out Bucky Brooks's stuff 
And Bucky Brooks went from earlier in the year not having Anthony Richardson in his top five quarterbacks in the draft to first round pick 22 to the Baltimore Ravens. At least I think it was pick 22. Either way, he had him going to the Ravens in the first round. So already Bucky, and we talked to him last year, Ryan, Bucky is notoriously conservative on first round grades he gives to quarterbacks. And maybe he's just doing that because he thinks he understands where the hype is going to go. But first round quarterback in a Bucky Brooks mock. Daniel Jeremiah mocking Anthony Richardson to the Lions at 18. Charles Charles McDonald from Yahoo immediately went upping him saying he'll go at six. Daniel Jeremiah is now of the belief that Anthony Richardson might not even be there at 18. Suddenly we are jumping between the, the industry is now basically split and can't decide on one day if. Richardson won't make it out of the top 10 to Anthony Richardson is going to be in the green room on day two. I mean, after day one and probably will be a day two, day two pick. Nobody can understand where AR is going to go, probably because AR is such. I don't want to say he's a super raw talent because people will push back at you and rightly so. The thing with it, with Anthony Richardson is, is like he flashes things that are advanced even for like an NFL quarterback. Calling him raw would like diminish those particular skills, but at the same time, like people can't seem to avoid making the Josh Allen comparison to Anthony Richardson right now. And what makes it enticing for the Lions is that Anthony Richardson is clearly a guy who's not going to start for you in 2023. And for the Lions, who still have a year of Jared Goff contract, that fits. So what do you guys make of is like, I'm going to reserve the rest of my thoughts here for a second, because as I said, it's all through it's, it's up and down left and right. And like, it feels like Richardson is riding a hype train that we haven't had in, in a minute. Yeah. And and a lot of people are going to quick compare this to Malik Wilson. And I think they're, they're completely different situations and completely different quarterbacks. Uh, And I'll get into that for a second in, in a second here, but I mean, obviously, the the conversation starts at what do the Lions do at quarterback? Are they satisfied at quarterback? And if I had to guess what the Lions think, I think they're settled. I don't think they're looking for a quarterback in this year's draft. Um, That doesn't mean that they shouldn't, though. And that's always that's the distinction that I want to make here, because I I'm of the belief that I'm not entirely sure how long Jared Goff can keep this up. I'm not entirely sure if you want to give Jared Goff a massive extension I think you need to keep your options open. And yeah, I am tempted by the mobile quarterback revolution in the NFL. I think that is a a way, a, a pathway to major success in this league. But Anthony Richardson is a very tough evaluation for me. And and let's not kid ourselves around. Like this is I don't think there's a lot of dis well, there is a lot of disagreement, but I think right now the momentum is Anthony Richardson is a top 10 draft pick right now by media consensus right now. And maybe that's just the media consuming itself. Maybe that's just groupthink all coming at once. But here's here's where I'm stuck. The inaccuracy is really bad. It's bad. I think I think you're right, Chris. Like, I don't think he's necessarily raw when it comes to what he reads. I think I think his progression is probably where you want it to be. It's not perfect, but that that's that's the difference from Malik Willis. Malik Willis came from a simple offense and played a bunch of bad opponents. Anthony Richardson played in a more complex offense. They required him to go through reads more often, and he played in the SEC. He so played in the played SEC, and the rest of that Florida offense was really bad. Right, like that. That is the one commonality between Malik Willis and Anthony Richardson is like they were the only players on their respective offenses that were competent, that were like top tier competent out there. Right. Where where the rawness is is his technique, is his mechanics, and a lot of people point to his feet. He's he's not he's not stepping into throws right. He's not moving the right way, and that affects his accuracy. And I buy that to an extent mm-hmm. because the the inaccuracy isn't just like eh, it's kind of bad. Like it's horrible. It's really 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 bad. And I think we all look at Josh Allen and we say that guy was super inaccurate. They got the mechanics fixed, and he turned out to be great. That's what's going to happen with now. That was a rocky road to get Josh Allen. Even a lot of Bills fans threw in the towel on him, too. We need to be clear about that. Josh Allen did not. There was not 
universal patience with Josh Allen. The fact that he made that season that he did in 2021 is, is by all accounts, a miracle. Right. Well, and, and, and to be clear, going from his completion percentage, from his inaccuracy mm. issues in college to the NFL being a, a fantastic, that is a miracle. That is the exception to the rule. That is not the the pathway. That is not like, oh, just do what you did with Josh Allen and turn him into a, a franchise. No, that doesn't happen. Like there are mechanic, there are quarterbacks with mechanical issues that never get it fixed because it isn't a matter of snapping your fingers, flipping a switch. These are built-in mechanics that these quarterbacks have been doing for years, and it's hard to undo and then redo. If you have a good coach, sure, maybe it can happen. But you just never know. And that's what makes quarterback evaluations very tough. So if I have this many questions about a quarterback prospect, no, I'm not spending a first round draft pick on it. If I'm the Detroit Lions, especially when you have an option in ha- in house that might work out. I will let Ryan go here in a second. I just want to add two things here real quick. Number one is. Uh, excuse me. It is because like. You say that the Josh Allen thing was the was like an aberration, but at the same time, I think about how Jalen Hurts has developed here too in the NFL, where he went through a couple of just kind of years where I don't think Eagles fans were pleased. All of a sudden, he was what he did this year. So this kind of growth is becoming more common in the NFL. Maybe it's just those two that stand out. I don't know. And again, I, I think what I want to explain to people what makes the Anthony Richardson stuff special is yeah, he has problems with footwork. But when I say he does things that even advanced NFL quarterbacks are lucky to do, I'm talking about when he can like look off a defender completely from one side of the field and just leave that field completely open. I think on that play, I think it was against Utah. He then ran for almost for about like 40 yards or so, almost a touchdown. If he fixes the throwing motions, suddenly he's looking off. He's looking off defenders, the NFL, and he's making big time throws, too. So I'm saying that that's what that's when when I say those kind of things, when I say those kind of intangibles that that other people are talking about, that's what makes him different from some of the other past prospects we've talked about. Anyway, Ryan. Yeah, uh, I, I here's where I'm at with the quarterback position. And I think a lot of people might might echo the same sentiment. How do you feel about Jared Goff getting paid forty five plus million dollars a year? That that's that's a real thing that could happen. And I don't think I'm of the belief that Jared Goff is a quarterback that should reset the market. And I understand that it happens all the time. And it happened with Derek Carr once. It happened with Matthew Stafford. It happened with Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes isn't even the highest paid quarterback because the Cleveland Browns are paying 50 plus million dollars each year to Deshaun Watson. My point is I'm of the same belief that I was last year and it's not a Malik Willis thing. It's not an Anthony Richardson thing. It's a, the lions should do their research. And if the quarterback that they think can lead them into the future is there at six, I think the Lions should take that quarterback at six. This is, is, yeah, this is a long time thing. Yeah, it opens up. Teams that go long in these playoffs have quarterbacks under rookie salary control. It opens up their opportunity to do team building in a way that is not the only way to win, but is a way that has clearly, clearly led to some success. And that's having a quarterback under a rookie contract. So I, I'm all for it at six. If they go that way, I'm right there with Jeremy, though. I don't think that the Lions are are thinking like that. I think that they're happy with Jared Goff. I think that they could take a developmental guy later in the draft. Here's here's the thing that makes this an impossible decision, a, a very difficult decision. This was not just a good passing offense last year. From week nine on, it was the best passing offense in football. And so to say, like, line, the line's got to draft a quarterback. Like, okay, you're you're there are people that hate Jared Goff and and think like you got to replace him, you got to replace him. There's no chance he's the answer. Those people are wrong, and 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 not not necessarily that their opinion is wrong, but that they're so staunchly like set in their ways. Like, no, he mm-hmm. might be the guy. 
He just led for half a freaking season, the best passing offense in football. That can't get overlooked. This isn't just he improved a little bit. We're talking better than Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Look at EPA. Look at Football Outsiders uh, uh, DVOA. This was an outstanding passing offense in the second half of the season. And listen, I understand there's a concern about regression, right? That he he overplayed what he's normally capable of doing. And I understand that. He's been inconsistent I mean, in his career. But I mean, ha- hell, like, just look at what how the panic we were in if we had lost Ben Johnson, too. Sure. There, there's a lot of concern that he might still be tied to... <clears throat> that his success is just because of the Ben Johnson system. But but let me let me pose this. If you're concerned about regression, what do you think Jamison Williams for 17 games is going to look like? What do you think maybe a fully healthy I mean, you can never guarantee a fully healthy offensive line, but maybe some sort of answer at right guard. This is a pretty darn good offense right now and I don't see a realistic reason other than your own insecurities about Jared Goff for this offense to slip back. I I don't. And if that's the case, maybe it's fine paying Jared Goff 45 million a year because you've got all these first round picks. They're on rookie contracts. You're, you're young. You have the youngest roster in the NFL. That is how you, you bypass spending. That's exactly what the Kansas city chiefs just did. They paid Patrick Mahomes a crap ton of money and they were like the sixth youngest team in the NFL and they got it done. His contract, his contract is going to be cheap, though, in a few and years. I, maybe. We'll see. Um, but and, and I know immediately people are going to say, did you just compare Jared Goff to Patrick Mahomes? No. But I am comparing the Lions passing offense to the Chiefs pass, passing offense because guess what? They were statistically comparable in the past half of the season. So. You, you're, you better be bet. You better be damn sure if you're going to draft a quarterback this year that he's your guy. And that's why I'm not comfortable doing it with Anthony Richardson because I think he's a tough evaluation. We're probably going to talk about this at least seven more times this <laughs> offseason. So stay tuned for. Yeah, this isn't updates. this isn't ending at any point. Just this is just kind of this 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 is the big topic of the offseason. The other one is one that I know Jeremy wants to run screaming from Bijan Robinson. We know where Jeremy stands on running backs. I'll, I'll let him have his moments here, but uh, Ryan, the the argument around Robinson seems to be that if he is of exceptional talent, do you make an exception to the first round running back rule that seems to be of of Jeremy's mind? I, we're talking about a defense that finally got to about average over the second half of the season against some offenses that were questionable at best. And the fact that we're talking about drafting a running back in the first round just blows my mind. And the the thing that the thing that bothers me the most is like as soon as Lions fans get a little taste of success, they just lose their minds. What is this idea that you're going to draft a running back in the first round under the guise that, well, he's the most talented player in the draft and you have afforded yourself that luxury. What what are, what are we doing? The lions have so many needs on the defensive side of the ball that I don't think you can even think. Here's the thing. Bijan Robinson at six is completely off the table. There are Lions fans, and I'm not saying I'm not like I'm just not appealing or I'm just not acknowledging some minor subsection of Lions fans. Like I see a lot of Lions fans that are okay on board with Bijan Robinson at number six. There is no way that the Lions could draft Bijan Robinson at six. That is thinking, I believe, from another era. That is completely outdated thinking. Chris, for top this- ten. I, I, I'm getting pushback because people are so adamant that he is a generational player, that he is of the same same ilk as Saquon Barkley and all of the other top running backs that have come before him in recent history. The Todd Gurley's of the world drafted, you know, 10th uh, overall. Yeah, I have the list of 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 those first round running backs the past like 10 years or so. Right. and And there are so many people that are telling me, it is okay to spend a number six overall pick on a running back 
if they are considered by some the best player in the draft. Let me ask you because and and Jeremy can even do a yes no on this because I'm I'm saving time for Jeremy to do his uh, a rant. Okay, because I can see you charging up, Jeremy. Right? Sure. I've said some of my piece already, but I'm I'm more than sure. happy to get fired up again. You mentioned Saquon Barkley, Ryan. Do you think the Giants are happy with how much they've gotten out of Saquon Barkley for the because Saquon Barkley right now has to be considered for a franchise tag for ten million. Saquon Barkley has he had enough good seasons with the Giants, or are people just enamored with the season he just had? Kind of wild that he had probably a career season in a contract year. Funny how that happened. Yeah. Without injuries. I've, I've never seen, I've never seen a running back do that before. And I know it's easy. We're talking about the big names that stood out in the first round of running backs in the past 10 years, like Ezekiel Elliott, who, by the way, over the past like two and a half years has going to be completely sidelined for Tony Pollard or Christian McCaffrey, who seems to be the one that's worked out, but still isn't like, He's not the lone piece that makes that San Francisco offense tick. Leonard Fournette was a fourth overall pick. How where's where's Leonard Fournette at? You mentioned Todd Gurley, and it's it's hard with Todd Gurley because of the injuries that side him. But let's talk about everyone else who went the first round that everyone's talking about. All the swings and misses. So in 2021, we had Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. We still have they're young, still producing. By the way, those were both in the in the 20s, 24th and 25th. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in 2020 was a complete disaster. Josh Jacobs, again, another kind of Johnny-come-lately for for the Raiders. Had a career year and a contract year. Is it a contract year already? I think he's like a year after Saquon, so I don't think it's a contract year. It might be. I don't know. Um, Let's talk about some other names here. Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Melvin Gordon. Some of them had decent seasons. But I think to the point that Jeremy's pounded for a very long time, none of their seasons necessarily indicate that they are generational talent that you would take in the, that you'd spend a first round pick on. And Jeremy, I open up to you because I am of the belief. Yeah. I, I, Stat checked you. Josh Jacobs, they declined his fifth year option, so he wasn't a contract year. He but wasn't yeah. a contract year. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Okay. So I'm I'm with Jeremy at this point here. The way the trend has gone, and I mentioned that the that the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley would be 10 million. That's showing you that the money is coming down for running backs. That's showing you the rest of the league understands the value is coming down for running backs which means the draft capital value should be coming down for running backs as well, which means I'm out. I'm out on B. John Robinson as a first rounder. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to seed right off the bat. B. John Robinson is your next Saquon Barkley. Congratulations. He's that good. I'm going to, I'm going to crown him that already. Still not worth a pick. Still not worth a pick. Tell, tell me what the elite running backs in this league in the past 10 years have gotten any team. Where is there an elite running game with it that, that's led by an elite running back that has led to championships? Even so Derrick Henry, even Derrick Henry, uh, the Titans came up short. Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, okay, Saquon I, Barkley, I want to McCaffrey. I want to throw out the one counterexample, Jeremy, because everybody circles it. It's Todd Gurley, right? Because under under the assumption that because a lot of Lions fans, this is their big thing. We don't care about a second contract. We understand right. that the running back is going to be serviceable for four, maybe five years. If you pick up the option. Okay. Then there are some people that are like, well, you franchise tech. If you're franchise tagging a running back, put the drugs down. Okay. Giants. The, the, the girly argument is the only argument in, in recent history that I can think of where a running back legitimately could have been the MVP of the league. He was that damn good. But people and want to make the argument. So they score in the Super Bowl. Well, he was hurt, right? So it was one of those things where like they tried to replace him with CJ Anderson. And it was true. Like Todd Gurley made a difference on that football team and sure. is likely the most important reason why they ended up in the Super Bowl. Right. And I'm not saying 
a running back doesn't matter, period. It helps. But what has proven to be way, 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 way more important is a passing game. And the Lions have that. And I just got done telling you that it was the number one passing game in the league in the last half of the season. And you know what they didn't have in the last half of the season? JMO? A running game. They didn't have a running game. Their running game was crap. And they were still dropping 30 on teams. You don't, you need an, an okay running game. You need a running game in the red zone. And the Lions have that. You don't, it, it is, the, it's not only a luxury pick, it's just a bad pick. It's it's the least valuable pick you can make with a first round pick. Now that's the, the important distinction. Teams. Yeah. It's and and listen, I I just granted you guys four healthy years of of Saquon Barkley, and I still don't want it because it's not how you build a successful team. And guess what? You you are not guaranteeing that you're getting four years of Saquon Barkley with B. John Robinson because it's also the most injured position in football. And, I also- and all of the star running backs in the league right now dealing with injuries. I also want to bring up the, like where all of these, so Sonny Michelle was drafted by the Patriots and he's bounced around several teams. Leonard Fournette was drafted by the Jaguars bombed out there has bounced around several teams. Christian McCaffrey drafted by the Panthers. Panthers had to trade him away. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, nowhere near close to any contributions for these, for this chief's dynasty. The teams that drafted these running backs, by and large, seem to regret the decisions they've done. Like, we have to see the the what happens with ETN and Harris. And Harris is, seems like a bird-der-Steelers pick, if there ever was one. I mean, why, but, why do we even look, need to look at other examples? Just look in-house, for Christ's sake. How many yeah. times are we going to play this game where we fall in love with the running back and say, the Lions have got to take him high. They take him in the second round. Five years in a row, it seems like, and all of them are injured or not up to snuff. And and you're like, and you're left with your hand in your pants saying, how did this happen? Because you fell in love with a prospect that is a flashy player in college. And I'm sorry, it doesn't work at the NFL like that. You have to have a passing game. You have to have a good offensive line. And the rest is kind of moot. I'm sorry. That's just how it works. And the, the the thing I want to underscore is what you mentioned with luxury, right? Because we are having this conversation way premature, okay? Free agency needs to happen. If the Detroit Lions bring back Jamal Williams and they have DeAndre Swift and the Lions draft Bijan Robinson, think of how much of a luxury that pick is. You're that's not luxury, a, that's excess. It, you're, you're drafting a guy who you need to get the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown. Everybody wants to throw the ball deep to JMO. Uh, you have three running backs to feed. If you if you pay Jamal Williams any significant amount of money, which you will, then it, it, it's it's just, it's such a luxury pick that how many of you are going to, how many of you are going to say draft Bijan, but also people who are pissed at the Lions took Eric Ebron. That was a luxury pick. TJ Hawkinson was almost a, a, a quasi luxury pick taking I, a tight end that high. You're talking about taking a running back to be clear. I think running back is a need and you can address it this year. If you want, you can address it. I, I think you can, it's fine to wait another year to address it because it's, it's an, it's, it's a rookie impact position, right? Like you can make an impact as a rookie. We see it happen all yeah. the time. Um, but, but it's just, it never pays off when you do it this early. I'm sorry. It just, Never I think I think it's just though again I think it's gone from being this is a luxury pick to the positional value of the running back has dropped from there's no case where it's even a luxury pick it's just it almost seems like a waste of a resource of a of a high resource that could be spent on a linebacker or a corner or a safety or anything else where the lions are desperately needy especially on defense or for any team, really. Look, take I, another I wanna, wide receiver. I don't care. I want to throw one question your way yeah, because we, we're, I, we're I got time. We gotta, I got it yeah. thrown to me on Twitter and and people were not happy with my answer. And I'm I'm curious if you guys think differently. Let's say everything that, that everyone says about B. John Robinson is true. You get four, you get at least four healthy seasons out of B. John Robinson, and he is 
pro bowl, like perennial pro bowl talent, but you get him for four, maybe five years. Cause most everyone agrees that a second contract is a mistake for running backs. So let's say mm-hmm. you get him for four, maybe that fifth year option too. Would you take that? Or would you take Jonah Jackson for eight to nine years? This is hard because I think that because the problem is, is like you're asking me to coincide a great B, a pro an all pro Bijan Robinson with maybe the last years we'll get out of Jared Goff and maybe having Ben Johnson getting I, well, poached no, at some take, point. Take, okay, take, okay, take, take, take everything away. else out. Jonah Jackson, a solid Pro Bowl ish, like borderline pro, pro Bowl guard for eight, nine years or elite top two, top three running back in the league for four or five years. It's not an easy question. I'm curious at, at, at what. Right. And it's kind of, it kind of becomes chicken and the egg because we keep getting into, you know, it, it gets a bit chicken, the egg because Bijan's not having whatever. I'm overthinking it. Ryan, I'll just throw it to you. Uh, if Bijan is the pick at six, he becomes a top 10 paid running back in the NFL without playing a single down in the NFL. <laughs> I am so much more at peace. If the lions were to draft Osiris Torrance at 18. Than, than to take Bijan at 18. I, I really would. And I know that might seem crazy. And I think you could probably make a good argument that Bijan might have a, a bigger impact than a guard, right? Okay. I get it. I just look at the Lions team. You can't ignore context. You can't ignore team built. You can't ignore looking internally, taking an assessment of who your team is and what they need and say that a running back is the guy that should be drafted in the first round. The last thing I want to say is that the consensus draft board that the athletic has put together has seven running backs in the top 100. No, it's not going to happen. But even if it, I think the point is get yourself a running back later, <laughs> draft one in the third <laughs> round. <laughs> well, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Everyone like there was no running back taken in the first round last year. That's the way the league's going to go. It's just like it's just like what we used to say about linebackers, right? About the value you don't take a linebacker in the top ten or whatever. Yeah, and 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 well, stop, like, stop with the comparisons and the arguments of saying like, well, if if Bijan Robinson was a Barry Sanders level level talent, you saying you wouldn't take if. him. Guys, do we know how many touches modern running backs get versus how many touches Barry Sanders or Eric Dickerson or any running back from 30, 40, 50 years ago that you want to say? Yeah, this this, this sounds like this is just a lot of old heads not giving up the the past, the past version of football. Like football has changed. And and it's also I think a rally against like quote unquote nerds right it's like oh, oh you guys the are so devaluing the running back position and you know back in my day I watched Jim Brown dude my grandpa watched Jim Brown he's dead <laughs> the NFL has moved on like the the NFL is not the same NFL that it was it's just you're not going especially on this team the Lions this, playoff this- window is open now. This sport over all other sports is adapt or die with the trends. There is no such thing as a throwback that succeeds. Even even the 49ers are are modern and sleek. But they those idiots did trade for Christian McCaffrey. And it got them nowhere. I think on that note, that is where we end this podcast because we are way I, over I love I, I love that expectations have changed so much that the NFC Championship is nowhere. Well, they were there last year, the year before, right? <laughs> oh, man. Brock Don't Purdy. trap running backs in the first yeah. round. Don't do it. Be smart. I think that's it for the podcast. Uh, what all we got coming this week? Scraps? Oh, we got, we got things Live? coming. We got things coming. There's there's one other thing, one other special thing coming down the pike. Fingers crossed. You're not going to tell what they are, what it is, though. No, nope. I would say just stay tuned. Twitch very, very soon. Yes. Until then, we'll see you star side. Bye, everyone. This has been POD Cast. <laughs>
Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.